Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull. Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen, and I am your host, Brett Jensen. And this week, behind the scenes, I'm going to take you behind our debate that we at WBT put on. It was for the 10 Republican candidates in District 9 here in North Carolina. You know, the crazy race that involved Mark Harris and his campaign being accused of election fraud. It's been a crazy, crazy situation. So I'm going to take you behind the scenes and talk to you about things that happened that you never would have seen even if you were there you wouldn't have seen it. And if you were at home, you definitely wouldn't have seen it. Eight of them showed up, and it just goes to show you that there are all types of people in this world, let me assure you. And we're very fortunate to talk to David Koechner. Now, David Koechner, for those of you who don't know, he's a very famous comedian. He played Champ Kind and Anchorman, you know, the sports guy that goes whammy. And a lot of you will know him as Todd Packer from his role on The Office. He's a very funny guy, and he's been in a lot of movies other than just Anchorman. He was in 40-Year-Old Virgin. He was in Anchorman 2. He was in Dukes of Hazard. He was in Talladega Nights, Chips, Reno 911, Snakes on a Plane. And TV-wise, he's done a lot also. He's been on Saturday Night Live numerous times. He was even on Saturday Night Live for an entire season. He's even been on one of my favorite shows, which is Drunk History on Comedy Central, and even did stuff on Hannah Montana, of all places. So I'm really excited to talk to him, and I think you'll love the interview. Eight of the 10 candidates showed up, and I promise you it was outstanding. Not the debate itself. Like, the debate was fine. There was actually some really good banter back and forth between the candidates, and a couple of reporters really went into them kind of hard, asking them some very pointed questions with some very pointed follow-up questions. But nearly from the beginning, things kept going wrong, and they kept getting figured out. And so it actually wound up being a good thing. Actually, a bad thing, a really bad thing, turned into a really good thing. So it all started that night, the Tuesday night, exactly one week before Election Day. And we're out in the middle of nowhere on the far side of this town outside of Charlotte at an agricultural center. Now, the agricultural center is really, really nice. I'm not going to lie. It was really nice, but it was in the middle of BFE. Like you had to take some kind of gravel road, whatever, to go past uh, the jail or the sheriff's office. And then you got to this thing out in the middle of nowhere. And the fact that we were able to find it is a miracle in and of itself. But- It was once you got there, it was really nice. And it was a perfect venue and a perfect setting for what we wanted. We had about 225 people there to watch it in person. We also carried it live on WBT radio. Well, the one that is really the most quirky out of all of them is Gary Dunn. Now, Gary Dunn has ran for political office numerous times, local, state, federal, and he's never done very well. What you need to know about Gary Dunn is he's highly, highly intelligent, but There are some things where it doesn't all seem to connect. There's just something off. So throughout this campaign, we're getting a couple emails a day from Gary Dunn. And with the most crazy headlines, the most salacious headlines, one of the headlines in the emails immediately after the debate said, why I don't date fat women. Another one said, every good political race has a sex scandal. Here's mine. His emails were extremely long, but at the same point, you could tell he's highly intelligent, but just not working. Something's not right. He's a little off. 
So he shows up at the debate, shorts that I think were cargo shorts, a button-down short sleeve shirt. He doesn't have a tie, and he's really worried about that. So he finds someone out in the parking lot and offers them $20 if he can buy their tie and wear the tie. Now, we're talking about a guy wearing hiking boots, shorts, and he's worried about wearing a tie. But he does. He buys the tie for $20. So he walks up to the registration desk, and the women in our promotions department, they're not keeping up with politics. They don't know who's who or what's what. They're just there to help us out because we're putting it on as a radio station. So Gary Dunn walks up to the front where the women are, and he goes, hi, I'm here to check in for the debate. And the woman said, well, do you have a ticket? And he lost his lunch, screaming, I'm not going to buy a ticket. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. She's like, well, what's your name? I'm not giving you my name either. How dare you ask me what my name is? And how dare you ask me if I'm going to buy a ticket? I'm not buying a ticket to be part of this. Freaked out, went ballistic. Well, at that point, someone else walked up, happened to recognize him, pointed on a list and said, that's who this is without even saying his name. And then he went off in the green room and did whatever. Another one, Stony Rushing, he gained infamy by dressing up like Boss Hogg. That went viral and it was on the cover of the Washington Post. Like it was, it was not a good luck to say the least. So he gets there and he goes, hi. I said, hey, you know, Stony, glad you can make it. You're going to be over here and there's the green room and then you'll enter from the side. And he said, well, what's the format? I said, well, we emailed you the format and your campaign manager, you know, several weeks ago. Well, I didn't get it. Dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like, maybe ask your campaign manager because we emailed it or maybe double check your email. I don't know, but you've got it. Also in this debate, we had maybe the smartest person in North Carolina, and I'm not exaggerating, Dr. Albert Wiley. He's in his early 80s, and this is not a joke. He's the world's foremost authority on human exposure to radiation. He went to Chernobyl. He went to Japan when the tsunami knocked out that nuclear power plant. All these people got exposed. He is a genius. But he's also in his late 80s. He's ran for several offices, and he's never won either. Then you had an older woman by the name of Fern Schubert who used to be a state senator. She has not ran for office in several, several years, and she decided she was going to run. Then you've got a real estate mogul and magnet. Then you got an ex-Marine who served 12 years, who was a former county commissioner, who got beat out by a Democrat in the last elections for his seat. You had a former beauty queen, Miss Jacksonville, Florida, who's exceptionally smart, who has a bright future, and she was one of the only ones that lived in the far end of the district. But like I said, to go along with her beauty, she's got brains in abundance, and she speaks exceptionally well. Then you have a well-to-do lawyer that is a former county commissioner that is now a state senator, but oh yeah, he wrote the very infamous North Carolina bathroom bill. So you've got quite the spectrum of candidates on there. Well, right at the beginning, from the very first opening question, it became apparent things were not going to go right. Each candidate had a microphone. Three reporters had microphones. The MC had a microphone. And then there were two microphones for people holding out in the audience. Not a single microphone for the candidates worked. All eight went out. All of them. So now we're scrambling. And it actually wound up being a good thing because when they were trying to yell over each other when they realized the microphones weren't going to work in the first five minutes, candidates were just jumping in. Well, the problem is people on radio, because this was carried live, had no idea who was speaking. They don't know voices. So by only having one microphone per table, and there were four people per table, they each had to share one microphone. Well, what that allowed is the moderator to go, okay, up next, Fern Schubert has something that she'd like to say. And then she would speak. Then she'd have to pass the microphone down to the next person who wanted to speak. Okay, Lee Brown, she has something that she'd like to say in rebuttal. 
Boom. So it wound up being a perfect thing. And I think going forward, if there's ever another debate that this radio station puts on, they're going to do it where they have to share a microphone. Because that, again, allows the moderator to introduce who's speaking instead of people just yelling over each other. This is more of a controlled atmosphere. Things went really well after everything settled down after the first five or ten minutes or so. And it was wound up being pretty smooth. And it was a very informative debate. And a lot of good things came out of this debate. You knew who the pretenders were. You knew who the contenders were. And then you had someone like Stevie Reibenbach who really blossomed into someone that's going to have a bright political future. But the overwhelming majority will just fade away into obscurity as they should. They had no business being in the political office. Zero. So anyways, that's just a few of the things that actually happened that night on the debate that maybe you guys didn't get to see if you were in attendance or you definitely didn't get to see or hear if you were back home listening on the radio. All right, coming up next, my interview with David Koechner. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. He is an extremely talented comedian. You know him from The Office and you know him from Anchorman. Coming up next on Off the Beat with Brett Jensen, David Koechner. Okay, so being a longtime news guy in newspapers and have done TV as well as uh, now doing radio, the Anchorman situation, people know you from The Office, right. but I like you from Anchorman. To me, that's one of my probably five favorite movies of all time. I can see that. I, I You know, it's so funny because today I know you're going to interview Terry Gilliam. And uh, my top, of my top five films, two of them are Monty Python. You know what? I would also, I'd say three. I love Monty Python probably as much as you do. Mm -hmm. it, it made a profound impact on my life. When I saw, I was 13 when I saw Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and I, it blew my <clears throat> mind because there's, it's so dense. There's so much going on. I had such a great appreciation. That is when I decided, I believe, like, that's what I want to do. Really? Yeah. Monty Python? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Did you watch The Flying Circus on TV? Because no. we used to be able to get it on PBS here in Charlotte. Yeah, you're in a, in a, in a city. <laughs> I'm from Tipton, Missouri. We had three channels, and two of them worked. Right. Yeah, but that's why you're a big Kansas City Royals sure. sports fan. Chiefs. I mean, yeah, bigger Chiefs, but I'm not a huge baseball guy. But, uh, yeah, go Royals. What about the Chiefs this year? Because I was a sports writer for 20 years. Oh, wow, okay. So I yeah. so I get this. So yeah. And I know you're a big sports person. So talk about the Chiefs. I want to hear your thoughts about the well, Chiefs this year and Pat Mahomes. Well, what I'm saying, what I'm thinking is I hope America uh, hates the Chiefs as much as we all hate the Patriots in 10 years. Because we're going to be there for the next 10 years because of that kid. And because of Andy Reid. It, it's all so beautifully coming together. And when you get that one final piece of a puzzle, it's amazing. When you walk down the street or you're in a bar or whatever in a strange city like Oh, I Charlotte, never drink. Yeah, okay. I know we're drinking now. But. Right, right, right. When, 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 but when you're, in a, uh, when you're in a different place, whether you're buying, you know, a cantaloupe for yeah. home, yeah. do people just randomly shout lines at you? Um, not as much as they used to. Uh, or sometimes at the, at the airport I'll still get people yelling whammy. Or my favorite, Blamo. Like, who are you? Who are you directing that to? Because it's not Blamo. Uh, so yeah, that'll be the only place people shout is um, uh, at the airport. But otherwise, like at the grocery store, and it depends on what time of day. I've noticed. I went to the grocery store last week in the evening, and then I noticed that's where more young people were mm -hmm. at the grocery store at night, and that's when I had more people coming up, or you'll, you'll feel them staring, which is fun. So this the, now you're doing a lot of stand-up routine. This yeah. is that's why you're in Charlotte now. So, how much different is that having to prepare 
doing this on a nightly basis uh, in a room full of strange people as opposed to having a director go, all right, cut, and you don't know if you're being funny while on film because generally, I guess you don't hear laughter from people on the set. Well, uh, first of all, I want to appreciate you for saying I'm in a room full of strange people, and that's always the case. <laughs> it's uh, here, here's the difference is, you know, you're having a, uh, uh, a live experience with them in the moment, and that's the fun difference, which is completely enjoyable. It's immediate. Now, you don't know on TV who's watching, who's enjoying until later. Same with a the movie. Then they come later and might tell you they, they appreciate it. In that moment, we're all having uh, time together. And it'll never be there again. That particular thing that's going on is ours. And it's always going to be different. And it'll always be something we share together. So that's the specialness to that. Was there, what's the worst time you've had on stage and you went, oh my God, there's nothing I can do from prevent this bomb going uh, on? Oh, I've never bombed that hard. Really? No. See, you're one of the lucky ones that I've talked to. Yeah. Um, I've never just totally eaten crap. Because, I mean, my background's improvisation. Mm. I will tell, no, no. Um, there, okay, the worst show I've had was on a late night Friday night. It was within the last year. For whatever reason, ticket sales were terrible. There's 100 people in the room. And when, you know, when you've got a room where there's 300 seats and there's only 100, I believe these people go, oh, did we make the wrong choice? Right. <laughs> so in that moment, I thought, let's go off script. Let's just have fun. Let's do a Q&A. And that audience was so tight and just didn't open up and was not there for an experience. I was like, okay. Let's just keep going. And then you just push. Do you try new material? Because you said, you know, with an improv background. Yeah, that night I did. And I said, let's let's bring up new stuff. Let's do anything. And it, nothing was catching. You know, it's like we were fishing and yeah. there's just nothing. Yep. It might as well have been a dry pond. <laughs> right. Did you Do you like stand-up more or do you like acting more? I like all of it. Do you? I like all of it. If I had my preference, it would be film. Mm. There's something special about film. It's the one time it's that... And then it's gone. Film over TV? Sure. Mm. You know, I mean, I like TV because I'm in town. I can be with my kids. Film these days, typically it's in Atlanta or New Orleans, something else. But uh, I'm very fortunate in that I get to work in all the mediums. You know, film, television, live, uh, voiceover, all that stuff. So that's, you know, I'm fortunate. That's outstanding. Or should I say, America's fortunate. (laughs) Thanks to David Keckner for joining us here. And again, thanks to everyone for listening. We look forward to doing it again next time. My name is Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, Monday at 9, 8 central on CBS.